Hey everyone, the name is Eric Thor and today I'm doing an introduction into the flow code and how you can use your own personality type to find flow and to find energy and to find motivation. So what I want to do today is I want to start off by explaining the system around uh, the flow code and how I use it and how I connect it to the study of Carl Jung and to personality psychology. So what I've found, first and foremost, is that anyone can behave and act and do whatever they want. You can learn to be as outgoing as you'd like to be. You can learn to be as conscientious as you'd like to be. You can learn to be as open or closed as you'd like to be. These things, these behaviors, they're fluid and they are changeable and malleable. You can develop your own personality and behavior by choosing to take a certain set of actions and by constantly practicing and improving and working on yourself, if you do it in the right way. What I found more than that is that everyone has a natural way of being, a natural mode in which they are increasingly confident, empowered, self-trusting, self-accepting, energetic, motivated, curious, and in the zone. So what is that zone? Why are we studying personality psychology and how is it all connected? First and foremost, let me share the first inspiration and what led me into understanding that personality type was connected to flow. Yeah, okay, so first of all, I've been studying personality psychology and Carl Jung's personality types and cognitive functions for more than a decade. And the thing I found that was so confusing was the fact that everyone could use every single cognitive function. Everyone could act and do whatever they wanted to. I saw this and this for me was a problem. How is it possible that we can use all cognitive functions? And if that's the case that we can use all functions and we can engage in all behaviors, how do we then have a personality type? How do we do then say that we, this thing that we're doing is more us than this thing that we're doing? Then what I found was I set out to study neuroscience and I took about a year to really dig through academic journals on neuroscience, the modern findings, most latest research on the neuroscience and on the mind and how that really works. The thing that really made me hit the jackpot was uh, looking into genetics and looking into and seeing that the mind is, has developed a set of responses to certain sets of activities and actions and thought patterns. That means certain people respond in a positive way to sustain focus and attention, while other people maintain and get more motivation from task switching, rapid task switching from task to task, jumping and trying out different things. What I found was then that, okay, anyone can do any of these activities. You can maintain sustained attention at something for a long time, even if it's boring. But some people enter into the zone when they are doing these things. And that led me to study Mihaly, Shikshimantia Mihaly, <laughs> uh, and I can never pronounce that name right. Mihaly, uh, he posted that there were flow states, that uh, people can enter into a state of flow when they engage in certain sets of activities. Now, it's actually quite simple. What he found was that people enter into a flow state when they do something that they are good at, but when they also, when they do something that is challenging them to be the best version of themselves. That means our minds are programmed to respond to challenge and skill. So the greater your skill and the greater the challenge, the greater the sense of flow that you're going to experience. And that means, you know, if you want to hone in and really understand and experience flow, 
you're going to have to show sustained effort and activity in a certain task until you become proficient in it. And the more proficient you are, the more long you can endure and hold on to that state of flow. That means practice makes perfect. Yes, you're going to have to spend time developing and honing in on the cognitive functions. And that's another problem with traditional typology. And that is the idea that if you're an INFJ, you are this good at the introverted intuition and this good at extorted feeling and this good at the introverted thinking. People tend to believe that our gifts are innate and that's far from the case. You're born stupid. <laughs> You're born unaware of how the world works and how to think and your mind has not fully formed or developed. It takes a long time for your mind to develop and that means it takes a long time for you to become proficient in even your base cognitive functions. That means you can talk about INFJs that are extremely skilled in introverted intuition and INFJs that are incredibly sloppy and poor in their execution of these functions. The same goes for every single personality type. You're not innately good at anything. <laughs> well, you can have a base set of skill in a certain area, but that's not going to be enough to set you apart because there's also going to be a lot of other people that have those innate skill sets. And those that practice, those that push themselves the hardest, those that challenge themselves, those that hone in on their core skills, those are going to stand out from the rest and they're going to look like superhumans. Now, what I'm finding is we live in a society that has kind of succumbed to the autopilot. I grew up feeling like everyone around me were kind of uh, out of touch with themselves and with who they were and with what they wanted in life. Most people could not phrase out what would make them happy. Most people were clueless about what needs they had. And most people were relatively inattentive to themselves and to the outer world. That means most people have kind of grown to become docile and tame in the modern world. The modern world has kind of beat individuality out of us. And that means they also beat flow out of us. And that means today flow is a relatively rare experience. Most people can say that they enter into flow in certain times, but most people cannot consistently enter into a flow state. And most people cannot consistently stay energized or motivated while working on certain tasks. That means we have a problem, and that's a problem of happiness, and that's a problem of health, and that's a problem of well-being. The longer you live in autopilot, the harder it is to break out of it. Everything you do becomes a routine, a pattern, a loop that you cannot break out of. Long-term activity and sustained effort in autopilot tends to lead to a static mindset. People that live in an autopilot tend to believe that their skills are innate, their situation is fixed and permanent, and they cannot do anything to change it. Their circumstances are entirely externally dependent. If they'd have money, if they've had support, if they've had a good education, they're going to be good. And if they don't have that support from the external world, they're not going to succeed. That's the curling mindset that has come about from being raised by our parents and from being brought up in the modern education system. You believe that everything you have and everything that you do and everything you're capable of is a result of what society has beat into you. And if you have not been given the resources or tools to succeed, you're not going to succeed. And this also leads to a state of envy and a state of jealousy in a sense, because if you're not equipped, you're going to feel envious of those that are equipped, those that have the money, those that have the time, those that have the resources, and you're going to feel that the world is unfair. And those things are going to eventually uh, 
just feed into that loop. You live in an unfair world where other people have more privilege and where everyone is doing much better than you. And if you'd only had the support of the world around you, you'd be much better and you'd be much happier. And that's actually uh, the norm in today's world. And you'd think that's statistically impossible. A majority of the people cannot believe that they are unfairly treated by the other part of the world. But that's the case today. Most people tend to come out of a sense of unfairness. Most people tend to find that their situation is unfair and that other people, uh, the other majority, is somehow... uh, yeah, manipulating them with their privilege. If that goes for men that feel manipulated by women or women that feel manipulated by men or poor that feel manipulated by the rich or um, regular citizens that feel manipulated by the media, everyone feels that the world is unfair and that there is some kind of elite or some oppressive mechanism in the world that is holding them back from reaching their potential. Now, what Carl Jung argued for, what Joseph Campbell argued for, and what all these individuation psychologists talk about, that is learning to tune into and focus on yourself. And that's also a traditional idea in Eastern philosophy. Eastern philosophy, like, for example, the idea of Taoism, uh, tends to emphasize the need of putting control in yourself not in external circumstance. If you want to have a growth mindset, you have to invest your willpower and your energy into what you can control. Now, these people, they don't deny the fact that the world can be unfair and that some people have more resources than other people. What they are saying instead is that even if that's the case, you still have to focus on what you can control and what you have power over. And that means if you want to feel happy and if you want to do something about your circumstance and about what's happening in your life, you have to focus on what you can change about yourself, what you can improve, what you can become better at, what you can learn, what you can develop, and what you can find within yourself. What are my unique skill sets? What are my unique abilities? What is it I can do? And what is, I, uh, what is it that I'm meant to do? What is my passion? What is my purpose? What is it that will give me my sense of meaning and motivation in the world? You can't change what is happening around you or what other people are doing, but you can change how you respond to it and how you deal with it and what you do about it. Now, what I want to do is I want to, first and foremost, give an outline of the flow code system and how it works and how I set it up. So first of all, what I start out by saying is there's a system of concepts that I work with here. First of all, flow. Flow is the core and central part that I'm teaching everyone. That's the central part that I'm trying to teach everyone. And okay, what is flow? Flow is a consistent state of energy and trust in yourself. It's a state of empowerment, a feeling of confidence, and it's a feeling of motivation. It's a feeling of purpose, passion, This means something to me, this matters, this has value, this has meaning for me personally. And beyond that, it gives me energy, it makes me feel good, it makes me feel excited, it makes me feel curious, it makes me feel fascinated. It's hooking my attention constantly, it's what I keep thinking about, it's what I keep finding myself wondering about. So, this is what you're looking to feed and this is what you're looking to feel as often as possible. These four things are of central importance to you. First, trust in yourself, self-acceptance, forgiveness, understanding of who you are and what you can do and what is 
uniquely possible within you and who you are in yourself. Second, your energy, sustained attention, sustained consciousness, sustained mindful attention towards something in particular that gives you energy and that feeds into your attention and keeps hooking you and hijacking your energy and keeps pulling you in. Third, consistent motivation, a sense of burning passion. This matters, this will save the world, this will do something good for others, this will do something good for me, this will mean something to me if I do this. If I... And finally, fourth, this is something I'm confident in, this is something I feel empowered to do, this is something that I have control over, this is something that I can change, this is something I personally were born to change, meant to change, something that is my unique quest. The second concept that I want to talk about is assertiveness as opposed to turbulence. And assertiveness and turbulence is a dichotomy brought out by the 16personalities.com personality test. But it's actually connected to the big five and the study of neuroticism. And this is fascinating. What I find is that people that are more in flow, and this makes so much sense when you hear it, are people that are more likely to be assertive. That means if you want to become assertive, if you want to become more dominant, if you want to become more strong in yourself and in who you are and in what you believe, and if you want to feel more confident, you have to feed into that flow state. That means the greater the flow, the greater the assertiveness, the greater the assertiveness, the more the capacity for flow. People that are turbulent tend to struggle with maintaining flow. They second-guess themselves, and second-guessing yourself cuts your flow short. Turbulence is connected to the opposite of flow, and what I tend to say is the opposite of flow is stress. Stress is the opposite of flow. And what that means is stress is when you feel a lack of trust in yourself and in who you are, a lack of certainty of what you want, a state of confusion about who you are and what you want. Secondly, it is a lack of energy or attention or interest. The things you do don't matter to you. You don't know why you're doing what you do. You don't feel any form of energy or interest in the things that you do. You just do it because... That's what you're being told to do, or that's what you think you have to do, or it's a should or a must. And, f and thirdly, it is a lack of meaning, a lack of worth. These things don't matter. These things are not going to make a difference. These things don't have any purpose. These things are not me. What I'm saying, what I'm talking about, it's actually, I'm, it's very impersonal. It doesn't matter to me. It's just something I say because it's what I've been told to think. And finally, fourth, a lack of confidence, you know, like stress is a lack of confidence. I, this is too much. I can't handle this. This is more than I, what I'm capable of. This is going to be impossible. I'm not going to be able to do this. This is not going to work. Flow and stress are polar opposites. And therefore, flow represents your core personality and stress represents your opposite personality. And that means you work with and have within yourself two people, 
One is your true self, and that's your flow personality. And one is your stress personality. These two sides of yourself are probably going to be central to your life. And it's the tug of war between these two that kind of feed into uh, you and your life and how you're feeling. When the stress self takes over, you act and respond purely to external motivation. That means your flow state is fed internally by yourself. It's something that gives you energy. It's something that's personally meaningful and relevant to you. Your stress state is fed externally. It's because you've been told to do it. It's because it's going to give you money, status, recognition. It's because if you don't do it, the world is going to punish you. The tribe is going to come against you. Other people are going to dislike you. So you have to do it. You're forced to do it. It's a should. It's a must. And if I do it, I'm going to be a successful citizen and people are going to think I'm good and I'm happy. And, you know, it's persona. Ultimately, um, and Joseph Campbell did a lot of research on this. We can talk about two core states of motivation. We have persona motivation, and that's related to stress. And we have self-motivation, and that's related to flow. Persona and the persona function is the opposite function. That means the opposite self, the stress self, is your persona. It's your mask. It is what you wield to the outer world. And it's how you want the world to see you. And that's something that I find consistently when I do coaching, when I engage with and talk with other pe people and other personality types. Everyone wants to be the opposite of who they are. Everyone wants to um, be good at the things that they feel they are not good at. And that's something that I keep hearing. People keep coming out of a feeling of not being good enough, of not being what they are supposed to be, of not having the talents they're supposed to have, you know. And that makes sense because if you've been told all your life by your family and your friends that you need to work on these functions or you need to develop these traits or you need to do these things, you're going to have a sense of inferiority complex. complex. Now, that inferiority complex, that's a result of... Uh, constantly being focused on your persona. People keep telling you what to do and how to look and how to appear to the world, but not why. And why matters. For example, imagine you're in a classroom. Your teacher says, pay attention. What does pay attention mean? Well, it means, to the teacher, it means look attentive at them. Look like you're listening. Look at them closely and take notes and look like you're like there. It doesn't mean attention. It doesn't mean mindfulness. It doesn't mean presence. It just means appear, a persona, image, status, appear present, appear attentive. And that's what people do. People learn to focus on how they appear to the world and how they look. They t learn to focus and do things in the simplest and most superficial manner. Now, why is that? Why do we find ourselves constantly pulling at and using our inferior? Why do we get fixated with our persona or our status? One answer to this comes from uh, research done by us uh, in psychology on two networks, system one and system two. And this is something you can learn about if you read, for example, Daniel Kahneman's uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, so imagine this, you have a lazy brain and you have a productive and uh, highly challenged brain. System one is lazy <laughs> and it's jumping to conclusions. It's a superficial judgment. It's stereotypical conclusions. It's the easiest and simplest answer. 
We tend to constantly gravitate towards the simplest and easiest explanation, the path of least effort, the path of least resistance. Most people tend to focus on and want to build a, things, a life that is easy and simple. Now, the more you gravitate towards this, the more comfortable you feel. And the goal of this system one is to make you comfortable. It wants to make you feel safe and it wants you to make, to make you feel protected. It wants you to feel at ease. It wants you to invest as little energy as possible. It tells you to conserve energy, conserve effort, conserve motivation, because uh, what if you get burnt? What if it doesn't work out? What if you fail? What if it becomes pointless? What if it's too much? What if the challenge is too heavy and too difficult? People that tend to rely more on system one tend to often be stuck in and tend to have a very strong tertiary function. Now the tertiary function, that's a fascinating one. So the tertiary is deeply connected to that state of autopilot. You know, when you're low conscious, you're just doing things, you're just doing things you've been programmed to do. You're just consulting, you know, the first conclusion you do. You don't think about why you think. You're not aware of the fact that you're aware. You're not mindful and engaged with your activities and what you do. System two, that reflects challenge. That's the kind of bane of the autopilot's existence. Challenge constantly brings you to the surface. It makes you feel like you have to pay attention. The more the challenge, the more difficult the questions, the more pressing the matter, the more important something feels, the more salient it is, the more demanding it is of your resources, the more important it feels, the more you're pulled out of that state of autopilot. That means people need to have a purpose, people need to have a feeling that they matter, people need to have a quest, an overarching goal with their life. And if you don't have a goal, your mind slows down, you become more calm, you become more comfortable, and things become more of a rut. Over time, you find yourself feeling bored and understimulated. You have no energy, no effort, no motivation. You just do what you're always doing. And you know, that's what brings people to that feeling of being stuck. That's why you keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. You get lazy. The thing is with system two is it takes effort and it requires you to respond to challenge and that's a difficult thing to do. How do you systematically teach yourself to stay at present with tasks and to keep trying and keep putting an effort in things? When, and how do you keep yourself from giving up and failing and just give, like letting it go? You know, uh, The thing is you have to build up the energy to systematically pay attention and to focus on things and you have to systematically practice putting your willpower into tasks and you have to constantly keep yourself motivated and feed your energy and feed your motivation and that means learning to set the right kind of goals the goals that push into your auxiliary function and that help you build your character and that help you stay motivated so what i'm finding is this that is people tend to put effort and challenge into the wrong things. They put willpower into the wrong things. They set unrealistic goals, impossible goals. And then they give half-assed efforts into these goals. And they don't think about what resources to put into these goals or how to keep afloat and how to keep things going over time. People set unrealistic goals to sabotage themselves. And after the goal or plan fails, they have an easy excuse to 
Once again, go back to being lazy and go back to that comfortable state of autopilot. What I'm finding is you have to learn to work from your strengths. And that means you have to learn to see, okay, what is it that I'm good at? What is it I want? And what is it that is important to me? And how can I appropriately challenge myself, appropriately uh, keep myself motivated? What are some feedback loops that I can create in my life that will give me energy and help me stay motivated? And that's, for example, having friends and support systems around you, having your environment and the people around you constantly help you stay afloat. You need people around you to constantly keep your energy up, to keep you goal motivated, to keep you conscious, to keep you present. Now, you have, and this is something interesting that I found, two selves. One is a representation of your core personality type. That's your first four functions. Your, the things that you feel conscious that you're doing, the things you feel that you are consciously putting effort into, the things that you feel are consciously, I'm doing this. And then you have four functions. This is the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth function in your stack. And these functions, they tend to represent the outer world. Your beliefs, your mindset about what kind of a world you live in, what the world looks like, and how the world works. What I'm finding is this. We are both our actions and the things that we are consciously feeling like we're doing and we are at the same time our environment. Everything you see and hear, everything you experience, every person you meet is a representation of your unconscious, your projections about them. It's not a rational world you're living in here. You're not being rational in how you perceive your friends, family members and relationships. What you perceive and how you see the world says more about you than about the world around you. How you explain and feel about things politically, your political beliefs and viewpoints, your worldview or your ideology. These things are constructed by you to give you a suitable explanation of the world you operate in to keep your personality intact. So we create a comfortable explanation of what the world looks like and an explanation of what the world looks like that will help be conducive to our current personality or behavior or actions and our lifestyle. So everything you think about the world and about other people is there in order to either motivate you or to sabotage you. And that means, you know, the more envious you feel about other people or the more negative you feel about other people, yeah, that keeps you from building healthy relationships with other people. Everything you do will be plagued by distrust. And that means that every action you take is going to be self-preservatory and egotistical. People that tend to say that everyone around them is narcissistic and self-involved, these people tend to be quite narcissistic and self-involved themselves. It's a comfortable explanation, you know. Uh, your beliefs about the external world shape your actions and beliefs and personal lifestyle. And that's natural. Of course it does. So... You're going to have to work on not just your actions, but also your mindset and also how you see the world around you. And so you're going to have to test how rational you really are. And that means, you know, looking at and thinking about, okay, how can I keep inspire myself? How can I keep myself getting energy and keep myself getting motivated? If you don't do this, your flow state is going to run out of steam. Okay, think about it like this. 
your dominant function, your flow personality type, you know, if you're an INFP, you know, your flow personality type is being introverted, intuitive, feeling and perceiving. However, have you ever noticed that sometimes you want to do something, you want to be an INFP, you want to keep going, but you're out of steam. You can't keep going. There's no energy in the tank. Like you want to do this thing that you always do that is so important to you, that burns you with passion, that makes you feel so good. But you have no energy. You're too tired, you know. Uh, that's typically the baseline of what I'm seeing. People want to experience flow, but they are too stressed, too burnt out, too tired, too exhausted, too drained to keep going. And that's when you have to realize you have to fill up the tank. And people don't recognize this. They think, oh, I can just keep going indefinitely. And I should have more energy. And I should be more motivated. And I should be more like this. And why can't I push more effort in? Why am I too tired? Why am I not able to keep going? You know, I, This goal really matters to me. And I really want to succeed. But why am I not capable of it? Why is it not working out? And that's because you haven't really built up a strong relationship to your unconscious functions and to your outer world. You're not... Your lifestyle is not in congruity with your mindset and with your worldview and with your life around you and the people around you. What that means is people are trying to change their habits. They're trying to become more outgoing or more open-minded or more conscientious or uh, less neurotic. And they're working on themselves and they're trying their best to do so. But when your worldview is not supportive of that and it's not going to be, then you fail, you hit the wall, eventually you run out of steam. Willpower is a finite resource and there's a limit to how much you can push yourself. And that's why you fail to consistently change your behavior and to improve and work on yourself. And that's why you keep burning out and coming back to the same patterns, the same negative patterns that you hate and that you really want to get out of. You just don't know how to break that loop. So what I want you to do is, I want you to study your unconscious four functions and I want you to think about how you can keep these functions present in your life. What do these functions represent? And how can you use these functions and uh, fill these, your life with these functions? You know, fill your room, your apartment with these functions. Fill yourself with people who represent these functions. Uh, fill your life with books or resources or videos or things that keep you inspired, that keep you motivated and keep you energized. Yeah, you're going to have to not just change yourself, but you're also going to have to change your environment. And that means changing your friendships and changing your relationship patterns and talking with other people, negotiating with your boss, discussing things with your family members and thinking about your apartment, your room, your environment and how that supports and feeds into your behavior. It's no... <laughs> It's no coincidence that Jordan Peterson says, make your bed every morning, you know, like there's a reason for why these things matter. Having a clean apartment, how does that help me? Well, did you know that unconsciously having a messy apartment is causing you to feel messy inside as well? Did you notice that eating unhealthy makes you feel tired, exhausted and zombie-like? Did you notice that not going out and exercising is making you feel uncomfortable in your own body, is making you feel uh, uncomfortable and unpleasant about your own body. All these things, you know, they're giving you energy, they're giving you motivation, you, they give you passion, they give you purpose. 
you have to work not just on yourself but also on your external environment and that means you know have you gotten enough sunlight have you gotten enough sleep i see so many people you know like uh, who are constantly pushing themselves you know this is my problem as well um we're so excited. We want to learn everything. We want to improve everything. We want to be good at everything. You know, we want to learn as much as possible, as fast as possible. But, and this is the mistake we make, we push it too far and we don't recognize the importance of rest. And when you're not rested, you learn more slowly. You push through and you work harder than you should and you put in more hours than you should. And at some point, those hours start to become less and less perfect. That means you're getting consistently less attention, you're learning less, you're learning more slowly, your mind dulls, you become more lazy, and you become more superficial in your judgments, and you become visibly slowed down. And if you take a nap, if you meditate, if you engage in yoga, or some other form of active techniques to clear your mind and to feel uh, in the zone and feel zen, all those things would help you rest and would help you stay motivated and would help you stay attentive. And that means if you'd rest more, like rest once an hour, go out for a walk, get a dose of sunlight and then continue, you'd be doing better. You'd be more productive than if you would be unhealthily burning through your resources 10 hours, 12 hours a day, just constantly focusing on a task until your brain is completely exhausted and burned to the ground. You know, you want your brain to be optimally performing at all times and you want to make sure that you feed and treat and take care of yourself. And that's the issue with personal development versus personal growth. Here's the advice that I look at when I'm trying to coach the 16 personalities. Every one of the 16 personalities has a unique flow type. Your personal type is your flow type. And that means if you're an introvert, I know exactly what advice to give you in order to get you more energy. And that's, you want to go out and you want to have more experiences and you want to feed and learn and keep yourself stimulated. And you want to maintain a stimulating, rich and varied life. If you're an intuitive, I know exactly what advice to give you in order to stay recharged. That is, I want you to feed yourself with new patterns, new observations, and new theories. I want you to challenge yourself to constantly think of things originally, to come up with new explanations, new possibilities. I want you to form clear hypotheses. I want you to have intellectual discussions with other people. I want you to go out and do experiments on the theories that you form. And I want you to go out and see if you can prove and verify what it is that you think. I want you to speculate about things and I want you to go out and test that speculation turns out to be true. When you're a feeling type, I want you to engage in stories and I want you to use stories to hardwire your brain. Feeling types are motivated by stories, characters, motive and context. So what they look at, what they need in order to stay motivated is they need to feel like characters in a hero's journey. They need to feel like they are engaging and learning about different archetypes. They want to be consulted on their motivations and intentions, and they want to act and they want to be heroic people that are doing something glorious and amazing and with good intentions that will make the world a better place. And so all of these types, they have different core motivations. So when I'm coaching the different personnel types, 
I look at what puts them in a state of flow. What do they feel the most passionate to talk about? What gives them the most energy? What do they say with their own voice? You know, I hear a lot of people talk with the voice of another. What I'm seeing is a lot of people will keep rehashing the same thing they read online, you know, or heard from their parents or heard from their teachers, you know, all life. Yeah, I'm slow, I'm dull-witted or I'm boring or uh, I'm uh, lazy or I'm uh, procrastinating all the time. and uh, I never take anything seriously, you know, like that's kind of what I'm hearing, you know, people are talking with the voice of another, like they are a critical parent scolding themselves. They're not thinking their own words. What I want to hear from people is, what is it you personally feel? What is it you personally want? What is it that makes you feel good? And what is it that you want to be doing, you know? And it doesn't have to be something you're immediately good at, you know? I hear a lot of people who will shut down themselves and they'll be like, no, I can never be an artist. I've never drawn anything in my life. Uh, but still they keep thinking about it, you know? Like they keep thinking they wanna do it, but they can't start because they feel like, I have to be perfect at it, I have to be amazing at it, and I have to be immediately good at it, and I have to be uh, perfect, and I have to sell a lot, and I have to make a million, and it has to immediately become my full-time job, and otherwise there's no point. And once again, we go back to what I was talking about earlier in this video. You make and set unrealistic goals to sabotage yourself, to keep you back where you are constantly. In a state of autopilot. You make things impossible because you want to make yourself miserable. And that's the general thing that I'm seeing here. People are trying to make themselves miserable. People are trying to be hard on themselves. People are trying to be mean to themselves. People are trying to scold themselves and be critical of themselves, constantly berating themselves because they are weak. And that's harsh, but it comes due to being subdued of having had your will beaten out of you, of having had your individuality beaten out of you, constantly being told by your school or your teachers or your parents or people at work to do what you're told and to not think critically and to not reflect on what you do and to just do what you're being told over and over again has beaten the will out of you. It's made you weak, it's made you submissive and it's made you uh, anxious and it's made you turbulent and neurotic. It's made you worried about other people constantly obsessing about mistakes you make, constantly wanting to be perfect at everything, constantly telling yourself, oh, I have to do it uh, or other people will be mad at me, you know, constantly having that master slave mindset of, I have to be perfect, I have to never say anything wrong, I have to never offend anyone, and I have to present a meek and easygoing surface so I will stay out of trouble. And that has to be fed, that's so difficult, you know, how do you feed that state of slavery, self slavery, self-submission. Well, by constantly being mean to yourself, constantly negative, constantly criticizing everything you do, constantly thinking a negative voice, seeing everything you do from the worst light, you know, thinking about how everything you say could be misinterpreted, how people can take you out of context, how people can misunderstand you, and then choosing not to say anything. Or to choosing the easy route to only say the easiest thing that you know everyone will agree with, what you've heard other people say what you think other people want to hear. And this is uh, why I feel that my work is so important and so necessary. How do you make people 
break out of that? How do you make people accept themselves? How do you make people feel flow? How do you make people feel passion again? How do you make people break out of that? Well, first of all, I think I have to lead by example. And that means, you know, showing what flow is and showing the capacities you can achieve with flow. What I've seen is I've been able to use my own theories to consistently make myself more energetic, more motivated, more passionate, more confident. By studying my flow personality, I've grown to become more self-accepting. I've learned to shut out that voice. I've learned to break that cycle of self-criticism and I've learned to make myself happy. My lifestyle can be brought down to this. I work a 40 hour job and I work up to 60 to 70 hours a week constantly creating new things, constantly making new videos, writing, publishing blogs, publishing on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, managing a community. I'm always out meeting people, having interesting discussions. I read between two to four hours a day. I get more than 10,000 steps every day. I dance, I engage in martial arts, and I do all these things in order to feel and to stay conscious. My goal is to constantly stay present and attentive to myself and to my actions and activities. And that means taking time to meditate, to sit by the water, to feel and hear my own voice and to know my own intentions, to make decisions based on my true intentions, to reflect on exactly what it is I'm feeling, to make and be mindful of my decisions and to make sure that I'm always making decisions for myself. The other part is learning to constantly feed my own inspiration and that's something I do through reading and watching YouTube videos and podcasts by listening to and surrounding myself with smart people, empathetic people, compassionate people, good people, people that give me energy, people that make me feel motivated. The other part is by making myself feel good. I don't think of myself, well I used to think of myself as a diamond that had to be polished and cut and sharpened. But now I think of myself as a plant, a tree, a flower, something that has to be watered, sustained, nourished. And so I notice how much better I do when I go out and get a daily dose of sunlight, how much better I feel after I meditate, how much better I feel after I've taken a walk around the lake or out in nature, how much better I feel by hearing birds' noises, and how much better I feel by tuning out distractions, uh, news, <laughs> media, and... Uh, passive information meant to pacifize me and to control me. Yeah, what I'm seeing is Facebook scrolling, Instagram scroll scrolling, you know, just going through and watching these mind-numbing clips, you know, all these things, they're bringing me into a state of autopilot. Watching the wrong YouTube videos can burn me out completely. If I watch the most boring and mundane TV shows and sitcoms with the most cliche humors and jokes. It makes me feel comfortable. You know, that Netflix binge of sitting 10 hours and just watching the same thing over and over. Uh, the curse of reality TV and how that really just hits at you. These things, they pacifize you. They make you stop thinking. They make you feel bored and lazy and dumb. And so... Learning to tune out of those things and to tune into the right things to keep yourself hooked. What I'm also noticing is the more I practice, the longer I can keep going. For sure, sometimes I crash, sometimes I burn out, work overwhelms me, becomes too much, or 
I have a bad experience or a negative conflict in a relationship or something that doesn't work out. And sure, that's going to bring me down, you know, and it's going to make me feel negative and it's going to make me feel bad and it's going to hurt me for a while. But over time, I become better and better at managing those states. So the thing I tell people when it comes to the flow code is, okay, try to actively push yourself to do things that you enjoy as often as possible and try to form your entire lifestyle around being that kind of a person. And that goes against what most people are saying in the typology community, because most people in the typology community, they say this simple thing, work your inferior, work your inferior, work your inferior, improve your tertiary, improve your tertiary, improve your tertiary. Stop doing what you're good at and start doing what you're bad at. You have to become good at your weakness and you have to take ownership of your weakness and you have to be perfect. You know, that's the kind of advice that I'm seeing in the community. INTPs, they're so terrible because they're not good at extroverted feeling. INFPs, they're horrible people because they're not good at extroverted thinking, because they're not ambitious or innately success-oriented. And they have to be, they should be, they should be more like that, you know? And then I'm wondering what kind of a world we live in when we study the 16 personalities to beat individuation out of us, you know? What's the point of studying the 16 personalities if your goal is to stop being yourself? Why are we giving people this kind of advice? And I think this kind of advice goes directly against my experience because what I'm seeing is when people work their inferior, they become more stressed, they feel more drained, they feel more tired, and they feel more negative about themselves and about the outer world. And beyond that, they burn out. However, something should be said about stress. And that is that it's not easy. You know, you can't immediately go from zero to 100 from uh, constantly doing your stressors and constantly being in the grip of your inferior function and constantly feeling passive and feeling stuck in a state of autopilot to being constantly motivated, constantly consistently goal-oriented and motivated. These things are not going to come immediately and your lifestyle and your external circumstance might force you to engage more in your persona or to work more on your mask or your appearance. We've always had, as humans, a legitimate fear of persecution, of being disliked, of being outcast from the world. And that's a natural fear and it's there for a reason. People have literally been burnt on stakes and being called witches in the past. We've been burnt, we have been killed for our beliefs, we have experienced hardship. Uh, because we've not been able to fit in and mold ourselves to society. We risk losing our apartment, not being able to pay a rent if we don't work or if we don't um, do what we have to do. And so we need to be able to realistically engage in our stress function without letting us control us. So we have to engage in these things, but we have to recognize why we do it. We have to recognize that your day nine to five job it's a tool. It's not your calling. It's not meant to be your purpose. It's not meant to be your passion. Your nine to five job is meant to be a tool to help you sustain yourself. Similarly, paying your bills on time, uh, sticking to the rules, doing and following the law, all these things, they're there to protect you. So what you have to learn is you have to learn to build resilience. So you have to manage this, these stressors and you have to learn to deal with these stressors. And you have to learn to accept and handle these things. Handling these things means 
being in touch with yourself. It means, uh, you know, learning that you can experience difficult situations, trauma, conflicts and issues at work or in school and failures and setbacks and you'll be okay. You'll be fine. You'll be fine because you are in touch with yourself. You are in touch with your flow state. You are in touch with your feelings and core motivation. You know why you're experiencing and enduring these things and what your external long-term goal is. Your external long-term goal is to be successful in your passion. And in the sake of that, you can experience any hardship that is necessary, any pain, any trauma, any anxiety that you might have to face. By building stress resilience, you're telling yourself that I'm doing something worthwhile. I'm doing something for the right reason. And therefore, any price is okay. I can pay and handle any price or any cost because I trust in my ambition and I trust in my beliefs and I trust in my values and I trust in my goals. Beyond that, you have to recognize why you do things because that's what people keep getting lost on with the inferior function. People get confused on the dominant and inferior function all the time. And the reason why is because we forget why we do things. At some point, you know, you play the game, you get stuck in a rat race, you start uh, becoming attached to your 9-to-5 job, you start identifying with the success of your company or with what's happening in your workplace, and you start becoming too attached to it. And you forget that this doesn't really matter. Money, <laughs> salaries, rent, those are facts of life, but they're not going to ultimately make you a happy or unhappy person. Your work as your external circumstance, your external rewards, your external motivators, but they're not your internal motivators. They're not your internal rewards. So any form of praise that you get from your boss is going to maybe keep you motivated for a few minutes, but that's it. Any form of increased in salary, any form of promotion you get, it's gonna make you happy for a week, but that's it. You know, external motivations only help you so far and only so little. And so you have to learn to stay in touch with your true intentions and not get lost. And this is something that happens to people all the time. If you take, for example, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, I think The Alchemist is a great example of this kind of a conundrum. This is a man that finds himself in a village and finds himself successful at this job and finds himself praised by uh, the city official, the tribe owner, you know, like this is a person that finds, you know, a place of comfort, you know, because you can find comfort in your job. You can find comfort in your success and in your talents. You can find praise for it. You can find success for it. You can forget that this praise is just praise. And you can forget about your true goals and your true motivations. So what I'm seeing is you have to constantly remind yourself why you do what you do. You have to meditate to do these things. People who don't meditate, people who don't have an internal dialogue with themselves, people who don't take breaks from work, people who keep themselves constantly occupied with their work, with the success of their work, uh, with constantly uh, hitting new highs, selling more, earning more, doing more. These people get stuck. They get stuck, they get lost, and they get frustrated. Uh, they hit the peak, you know, at some point they hit the peak, and they can't proceed beyond it and they keep putting in more effort and they keep trying more and more and they start burning themselves out slowly they burn themselves out and so they forget you know because there is no time anymore 
you have to constantly work overtime and when you come home you have to take care of the kids and you have your family and you have so much to do and you're so tired every day that you can't do anything you just have to t turn on the tv and just keep staring at the tv until you forget yourself until you fall asleep and suddenly it's nine ten o'clock and you're uh, you go you feel tired and you go to bed and you wake up 7 a.m new work day and that's the loop over and over and over again you know you get stuck and it's so easy to get stuck people get stuck all the time and you know what i'm learning is when I do things for the right reason, and when I make sure that I stay in touch with myself, and when I make sure that I do things for myself, I stay more motivated. I can stay more motivated at work, I can be productive at work, I can meet my goals, I can be more successful in what I do, and I do, uh, make sure that I do it for the right reasons. Most people, they don't know psychology, and so that's why they keep struggling, you know. Like if you don't know your psychology, you don't know yourself, you don't know how to feel happy, and how do you feel happy, and how do you connect with yourself? That's something we're going to discuss more in future videos. I hope you enjoyed this first introduction to the flow state and the flow code, and I hope you're curious about this system, and I hope you understand the value of this system. So to summarize, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I'm trying to connect the study of personality types to the study of flow. And I'm trying to give people and each of the 16 personalities good advice on what they can do to feel more flow, to feel more energy, to feel more passion, to feel stronger sense of purpose. Why am I doing this? Because I want it to have meaning. These labels, these function definitions, these type definitions that people keep arguing about, they mean nothing, nothing at all, unless you can confirm and connect it to personal growth and to the study of health and motivation. Why do we decide and talk about what an introvert is like or an extrovert is like, if not to help introverts and to help extroverts connect to themselves and to live a healthier and happier lifestyle? Why are we even engaged in typology? That's something I think a lot of people should be asking themselves. Why am I getting caught up in arguing about intuitives and sensors or what extroverted intuition or introverted intuition is? And why don't I start thinking about why it is and for what purpose it exists and how I can use it? We're stuck on the uh, definitions and we've lost the reason and purpose. So stay tuned for more episodes. Don't forget to leave a like and subscribe. And if you're interested in coaching, uh, check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash I'm happy to help you in finding your flow type and in finding out how you can attain a flow state.